Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert, and today we are doing a storier with Chris Mensch. Chris, thanks for coming on. Uh, introduce yourself to everybody. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Chris Mensch. I am the news editor at Genius. Um, formerly have written for places like Complex, XXL, Pigeons and Planes. Um, been a big Kanye West fan for a long time. Uh, very excited to be here. <laughs> Nice. What, uh, when did you first start listening to Kanye's music or when do you first remember hearing, uh, a Kanye West song? So I had definitely been plugged into like his hits from his early albums over the years, you know, whether it was gold digger or, uh, you know, any of those things. Uh, but I do have a very specific memory of like actually getting into him. Um, which was, I used to work at this like camp in like upstate New York. Uh, and, we were like, it was like the staff day off or whatever. And one of the kids was playing graduation, uh, in like the van and we were driving up to like Lake Placid. And I remember just like, I had been into Kanye kind of, but like that was when I was like 14 at the time, I think. And it really like, just really clicked for me. And like everything just made sense. It was like, Oh my God, like, why don't I love this person? You know what I mean? Like, why am I not like, like paying attention to everything that he does? Uh, and so that was like the first album that I remember really like resonating with me um and then once Inuits and Heartbreak came out I'm a huge 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 fan of that album and that really sort of like shifted perspectives for me on music and things in general so sort of became a a whole thing from there and then I was hooked (laughs) was uh you know 808s at the time was a pretty controversial album from fan reaction to critical reaction uh for you really having just started to connect to Kanye's music and hearing this album, and as you said, having it be this kind of uh, tipping point, turning point experience for you, did you were you aware of a lot of the flack the album was getting at the time? Were your friends equally as into it, or were you just kind of like, I like this album, and I don't know if anybody else does? Um, I would say my friends were into it. I, I definitely rem- remember it being sort of like controversially received, Uh, And I know that it's, I mean, just having listened to it, I know that it sounded a lot different than most other things that I was listening to. Um, And even like my local newspaper in New Jersey, the Star Ledger wrote something about it, like about, I think it was in their end of year roundup thing, but it was like, um, you know, like Kanye, like really pushed the envelope and changed whatever. And I just like remember reading this and being like, why is the Star Ledger writing about this? Like, clearly this is like (laughs) something that's like resonated beyond just like hip hop fans. Um, so I, to me, it always just made sense. And I also became a, a huge Kid Cudi fan as well after that. And so then Man on the Moon dropped and that all sort of like was something that really, really drew me into wanting to write about music and, and share music with people. Uh, so I always liked it, but I know that at the time people had more mixed feelings. I think in hindsight, the, uh, the view on the album is a lot better than maybe it was when it first came out. Yeah, right. It's, it's definitely caught a lot of shine over the years. Um, that it didn't have initially when it came out. Like I was, I was in college when it came out, and I just remember everybody at my college just being like, "Meh, shitty." Like I liked graduation, but like this is garbage. And me being like, oh, "I kind of like it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it really just was so different. Not only for music in general, but also just for him. You know, when you come off graduation and you've got these big like stadium raps and and just big big tracks, and then. 808s is so stripped down and so different. It's, I mean, and his first non-school themed album 
problem and, and everything like that. I think people just didn't really know what to make of it at first. Yeah. Uh, were you listening to a lot of uh, hip hop at that time or was Kanye an outlier in your listening experience? Um, I was, I, um, I, I grew into being like a huge hip hop fan. Like I said, with, with Kanye was one of my early people. I loved Kid Cudi. I loved a lot of people like that, but you know, like old Jay-Z and, and things like that. Hip hop was always like part of it, but Kanye was one of the artists that really, really like engaged me and made me really, um, really just like want to explore hip hop more deeply, I think. I know that experience very well. <laughs> um, and then when did you first have that kind of, you mentioned that listening to 808s and then Kid Cudi got you into more sharing music and wanting to write and discuss about music. Do you remember uh, when that thought kind of coalesced like, oh, I can do this professionally and I want to do this professionally? Um, well, I actually, I guess that was in high school. Um, I wrote for like my high school newspaper, uh, and we had like a arts section of it, uh, that I became the editor of. Uh, so I've always loved the idea of like writing reviews and, and things like that. I've always loved journalism. I always, I was like the kid that was always making people mix CDs with like, you know, the little artwork with Sharpie across it. And I would send, <laughs> give them so literally all of my friends had mixed CDs for me from high school. So music was always something I loved and journalism was always something I loved. And from high school, I realized that I really liked both of those things. Um, I think it took me through college to like really realize I actually could do it as a job. Um, I sort of like had applied to like some internships on a whim uh, and managed to get one at WXL when I was in college. And that sort of like really put me on the path of really wanting to pursue it. Um, but it, it was always kind of there as something I really loved doing. Mm. And did that change your relationship with Kanye's music at all? Getting into that professional realm of, uh, discussing music, consuming music, uh, being in touch with the zeitgeist of what the conversations were around music? Um, I don't know if it changed my perspective on Kanye compared to other artists, but I will say obviously it just changed my perspective on music in terms of, you know, you see how like what they say, like how the sausage is made or whatever, you know, <laughs> realizing the uh, the inner workings of the music industry will always change people's perspective on things a little bit, I think. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. Like it was different being on the each side of the subway counter, right? When I was making subway sandwiches or even doing the prep in the back versus just ordering them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then have you gotten to uh, write a lot about Kanye over the years? Um, yeah, so the first time I was like like working as a journalist, I was freelancing, I think, when The Life of Pablo came out. So I did some news coverage around that. Um, and then, obviously, these last two albums, I've been the news editor at Genius uh, for that. So that was pretty huge. I, we were writing about it quite a bit, obviously, over the course of the rollout of his, his album and the Kitty Ghost album and all the other good music stuff. Um, so I, I did get to write quite a bit about it uh, over the past couple months. And was that, was that genius experience very different? Cause I know from just a user of genius, like so much of this podcast and the research is around, uh, genius and people look at it for depth and detail, not just necessarily reporting, um, or not just uh, a take has that uh has that approach on the genius end of things and framing through the genius perspective uh how's that been in regards to kanye um it, i think it's definitely a lot of fun uh, i think it's different because yeah like you said other other outlets are maybe more focused on you know opinions or think pieces or things like that which are also great you know that's definitely an important part of of the media landscape as a whole um, but Genius really doesn't uh, publish anything opinion-based, and we're very like more like detail-oriented, looking into the uh, you know the individual things and figuring out like why certain artists or like why he did sampled something in one way or why he said something and how that relates to one of his old songs. Uh, and so that was a lot of it's a lot of fun for me because you really get to sort of like nerd out on the song pages <laughs> and. Uh, look up, you know, like, what does this sample mean? Like, you know, like, 
when they sample Nirvana on a Cuddy montage and you're like, oh, well, this connects to Cuddy's love of Kurt Cobain, which goes back like years and years and years. Or when Kanye was rapping about like the Audi home on, uh, on Reborn and you're like, oh, well, he also rapped about that on Crack Music. And so you get to make those connections and they're weird little things, but it's very like gratifying, you know, <laughs> um, and it also gives us, a, I guess, a perspective that's maybe a little bit different than you get at other outlets. So I, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, other outlets, there's so much uh, concern over the, the macro. And it seems like with Genius, there's a lot more concern over the, the micro, that nuance. Yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it. We're really like about taking the micro and bringing it to the, the masses, or I guess the macro level. Um, but yeah, a lot of our content does center around those, those little things and seeing how those little things, what they say about a larger theme or, or a larger trend, um, and sort of extrapolating those things outwards based on facts and trivia and stuff like that, which I, it is, like I said, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you find that your uh, opinions on an album, especially these last uh, few Kanye albums, have changed since you've worked with Genius or have kind of uh, adjust as you dive into them in this more nuanced way? Um, I think particularly for an artist like Kanye, it just makes you really appreciate his artistry because the, there's so much depth to the beats, uh, especially uh, and, you know, finding where are these old samples from, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I want, like, I found it's from this song, but like, there's not even, this song's not even on Spotify. It's not, you know, so like figuring out, like, well, I don't know where he's getting all these things from. Like, I think <laughs> that when they said, uh, I remember reading an interview with the guy who deals with like the catalog for Louis Prima or Prima, however you say it, that he sampled on um, Fourth Dimension. And he was like, no one has ever asked to sample this before in the entire time I've worked here. So, <laughs> um, so that it just makes me, you appreciate like, wow, like he really must be digging through things to, to find some of this stuff. Um, it, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, it adds like a layer of understanding that maybe uh, a more common listener might not have just because they wouldn't be looking for the that more nuanced understanding but it also raises so many more questions about just as you said like how did he find this sample like what was going on like did he have you know a lot of the song crafted and just found this is this what created the song like just engenders so much yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you wonder sometimes, did he start from, like you said, did he start from this and work outwards? Did he chop this in at the end? Uh, you know, when there's, when you're working with so many different elements like that, it's, it's interesting to see. Mm. What's, uh, has there been one thing that's maybe surprised you more than something else or kind of your favorite tidbit that you've discovered in looking up, uh, more of the details of recent albums? Um, I think something that's come to light over the past few albums, um, or these past two albums that has maybe always been there, but maybe wasn't as widely reported, was just how sort of like all over the place the whole creative process is and how things kind of just come together at the last minute, um, but yet still are often pretty amazing. So I, I find that really interesting. Um, you know, when, um, when you're saying, when 07 Shake, for example, is saying things like, we cut the vocals for, um, for her song the, like the day before the album came out and it's still like one of the highlights of the project and you're like, like, wow, like how, like how did this come together so quickly and yet it's still so interesting. I, I think that that was pretty evident over the, the last album cycle, um, but maybe shed some light on his working process in general, which I think is interesting. Yeah, it seems like those details have maybe been there for a while. It's just in this day and age, we know more about them. <laughs> Like, uh, hearing about Yeezus and kind of the rush that it was to put Yeezus together, uh, in the last kind of like three weeks and even in the last hours before the album had to go off, uh, it makes you wonder if we had the social media or even the media coverage today that we didn't even have back in 2013, what would the perception of that album be in the wake of all of that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Yeezus is another great example of that. Uh, and even like, um, I remember Swizzbeats was saying that the, uh, the vocal skip on So Appalled is like one of those things that's bothered him from, you know, uh, from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. It's something that's bothered him forever. And it was like, because he recorded it at the last minute, but we didn't notice because <laughs> the album turned out great, you know, like, but you're right. Maybe those kinds of details would have been more, um, people would have known about them more had the way media and reporting is today if it was maybe more like that back then, but you never know. Right. It makes me think, uh, was it the story with the college dropout that it leaked two weeks or something before it came out and then Kanye just went back in the studio and added a whole bunch of shit, like changed songs around and the leaked version ended up like still resembling, but was clearly inferior to the actual version that came out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember something about that. That man just likes to work <laughs> to the twelfth hour. Um, yeah, some people thrive under pressure, right? Yeah, where uh, I don't know if I do so because I thrive under pressure, or more so just laziness and being like, "This is just how everything happens." Well, yeah, I guess that's the thing. Procrastinators always say that they thrive under pressure, but really, they're just they have to get it done, you know. So I don't know if they actually took the time if they might have come up with something better, but. Right. That was something that Kanye said, too, about my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. That it was the first time that he ever wrote lines and like wrote them out rather than just kind of memorizing them and saying them over and over, but actually had them written down and could look over them. And it's just like as writers, that seems so astounding to me to not write it down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always amazing to me. You know, when people and you see the similar things with like Jay Z or Lil Wayne, and they're talking about some of their best songs, and they're like, "I didn't even write that. I pre-styled it." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Like, cool." <laughs> <laughs> I know for me, I'm so nervous putting anything out that I write. I go over it like a thousand times. So, <laughs> right. Like, how many hours have you spent just pained over one paragraph or even one sentence? You're just like, "Oh, oh I can move this clause to the beginning," or yeah. It's tough, man. And it's especially, you know, because I'm the news editor, so I do a lot of like quick turnaround articles. Uh, and so you're trying to find that balance of like, okay, well, I need to get, you know, we want to get things out quickly. So you're not like way behind everybody else. But also like, you want to make sure it's substantive and you want to make sure that it's saying something cool and you want to triple check all of your facts and everything like that. And I think that the way media is now, you know, with everything being so fast paced, um, you have to make sure that you maintain that balance. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, eventually you have to let things go and let them live in the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you take any, uh, comfort or solace from Kanye's process of just working at the last minute, like having this idea, doing it at the best way that you can in that time frame and letting it go? Yeah. Well, as we learn from him, you can always keep updating it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Like release this news article. It's just like one paragraph, two paragraphs, and then go back through and like, hey, look, it's seven now. Yeah, I mean, I try not to do things like that. But, um, you know, the, if, as more information, you, you're only working with the information that you have or, or the things that you can, you can have at that point. So when new information comes to light, always good to go back and be like, okay, well, this is what it actually turned out being. You know, sometimes you write things and it's like, well, this is what it could be. And then you're like, okay, well, we figured it out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is what it was. Um, so you were, uh, big into 808s and then my beautiful dark twisted fantasy comes out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, were you listening to all of the the Good Friday releases coming up to that or leading up to yes. the release? Yeah, I remember downloading each one like every week uh, from the website or whatever, putting the MP3s on my iPod and listening to them uh, at school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the process, wasn't it? Like, thank goodness yeah. I have this iPod. <laughs> like, 
it was such a process. Now it's we're all so lazy. It's just like you pull it up on your phone. But it's sad. I wish that some of those things were up on streaming services because you know songs like, uh, like Christian Dior Denim Flow is like one of my favorite Kanye songs of all time, and it's still like such a pain to listen to. You have to like find it on YouTube, or you have to like yeah, like go back and MP3 download it from somewhere. It's very annoying. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like we think we're at the not the peak of the internet, obviously, but such a like a better version of the internet where all this music is available, all these things you can just get at a touch, like try finding Christian Dior denim flow or some of the good Friday tracks, try finding even the blueprint three that not off, not on title. And it's a struggle. It's tough, man. And it's a, uh, it's sort of a symptom of, of that era of music, you know, cause that was also like the free mixtape era um, which has sort of subsided. I know SoundCloud is still a big thing, but um, obviously it's not quite like the Dat Piff era like it used to be. But so much of that stuff is still sort of like trapped in this format and kind of like in this like weird gray area where it can't really go on Spotify because like some of the stuff wasn't clear or some of it wasn't, you know, officially signed off on or whatever. Um, so it, it's tough because that's such a great era of, of hip hop in general. And that's kind of a lot of the stuff that I grew up listening to. And now it's like, you know, you can still download the things, but it's, it's not really, hasn't really translated over to the new formats yet, which is, I guess can be frustrating for me sometimes, but yeah, it feels almost like non-canon. Like it's music that exists, but not music that exists in the accepted form of things, almost like a, a star Wars, like novel that's not part of the movies right yeah yeah exactly and for some of the artists it's some of their best stuff too you know so it's it's sad like why is wizz's cushion oj not on spotify yet things like that like it's like this is your best music and i really want to listen to it and it's tough that it's not as accessible but you know it's also was a transitionary time in the music industry so Hmm. what uh so my beautiful dark twisted fantasy finally comes out and was it a uh, a lot of fans point to it as their favorite Kanye album, like the seminal moments? Uh, I think I've spoken to very few that are just like, oh, it was another album. <laughs> um, what were your thoughts on it when you finally heard it? I th- I think it's a really really great album. Um, I think it's probably the most like polished album, or like if I had to say like what the I think the best Kanye album would be, I would probably say. My excuse me, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I wouldn't necessarily call it my personal favorite, mm-hmm. um, but the the attention to detail and the you know the all the production work and and the raps and and the theming everything like that I think was really on point. So yeah, and well, and the conversation around that album. I mean, the conversation around every Kanye album's pretty fascinating, but in the wake of everything with Taylor Swift and that album having the impact that it had and the praise that it had. Um, at this point, were you a fan of Kanye as a, as a person or was it more just about the music and you were paying much attention to him? Um, I would always tend to put the music over everything in terms of like artists that I like the most, you know? Uh, but uh, I do. I mean, like, I've always liked Kanye as a person. I always think that he'll say things that other people are afraid to say, um, sometimes to a fault, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I just think in that particular case, it was really interesting because Kanye's uh, penchant for saying things like that had gotten him in trouble with the Taylor Swift stuff, and it was sort of like, you know, he was always going to be popular, but it was a bit of like a do or die moment. Like he really needed to deliver something really fantastic. Um, to, you know, to overcome this whole PR cycle and things like that, that had really been the main topic of conversation. Uh, and it was remarkably pretty effective, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. The fact that people just kind of welcome back with open arms, it seems each controversial thing he does, it might be the end of him. And then something happens and people are like, uh, Kanye, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I kind of think if the Taylor Swift thing had happened today, that it wouldn't be as big of a deal as it was back then. Yeah, it was just it was such like a cultural moment, and that was like the VMAs at the height of their popularity right around then as well. Uh, it, it was really just a 
it was a crazy time that's for sure my uh my favorite kind of detail about that thing was that a few months earlier at the european uh video music awards kanye had crashed the stage when justice won and nobody like people applauded him and he i think maybe got a little bit of flack for it but like the crowd was into it like the hosts were kind of laughing about it there was no negative backlash from him doing the same thing that time and saying like hey i haven't watched your video i'm happy for you but like i spent a million dollars like i think my video is the best and then to go up and do the Taylor Swift moment and have the complete opposite reaction. Yeah, yeah, it did not quite work out for him in the same way. <laughs> no, no, poor guy. <laughs> um, and then Yeezus comes out, and when Yeezus is coming out, you're where? Where are you at at that time? Um, that what? What year is that? Twenty thirteen. So I was in college when Yeezus came out. Um. And so at that point, I was pretty heavily, I was very into hip hop music. I was, uh, you know, right around when I interned at XXL uh, for the first time. Actually, I think it came out while I was interning there because I remember everyone talking about it and being like, again, unsure what to make of it, sort of like, you know, it's a heartbreak. Um, but again, I think that that's another really genre pushing moment for him. Um, I know that people have criticized some of it, like some of the very minimal sound and stuff like that. But I think that that's another thing that's proven to be, is increasingly proving to be uh, influential. So it just, the soundscape is being like 808s, the soundscape there ended up, I mean, people always point to Cuddy, Drake, so many artists that we have today owe their careers, which might be an over-dramatization of it, but their careers to that album, uh, do you think that Yeezus has had quite that impact or just maybe influenced some of the, the soundscapes less so than giving us artists that were born from that? Yeah, I don't think that it's been quite an 808s level of impact. And, and also, you know, when you talk about the influence of 808s, it was one of a, a group of of albums and artists that were, were influencing things. Because you also, when you talk about like the uh innovations in terms of like auto-tune you have to talk about t-pain as well and and there's other factors at play but obviously when someone of Kanye's stature does something as big as that uh, it's it's you know gonna have an impact um so in terms of yeezus like i said i don't know if it it's a, a you know it's level uh situation uh but the, i definitely think that the the like whole minimalist aesthetic and, and some of the more industrial sounds and stuff like that have started to to pop up uh, other places as well you talking about the uh use of autotune and the various like t-pain and kanye in that period it just made me think about jay-z uh dropping the track death of autotune yeah didn't turn out to quite be true but (laughs) (laughs) no right it was such a bold maybe that's why like blueprint three has been buried jay-z's like oh shit i was wrong like Nobody can listen to this now. <laughs> the, I think that it was just at the time people thought, still thought that it was a gimmick, you know? Uh, and I think that people hadn't figured out as many, we, people were just figuring out ways to use it in more artistic fashions, you know? So, and there was at one point where everybody was just auto-tuning everything, you know, like <laughs> random rappers you never thought would use it were, were auto-tuning random parts of it was a time where people were kind of figuring out the the tools, you know, a little bit. So I, I could see why he was, he viewed it as like maybe like a fad, um, but obviously it turned out to not quite be the case. <laughs> yeah. At the time that the song came out, it did seem like a statement that somebody needed to make. <laughs> and then, but the longevity of 808s and then the rise of Cuddy and, and just that sound, not that they use a lot of, uh, auto-tune but just i don't know it didn't feel as necessary afterwards as you said like more people got more refined with it yeah yeah definitely they learned how to use it differently and it's become such a staple obviously now in in music so i don't i don't think it's going away anytime soon (laughs) (laughs) well so you're you're at xxl at that time and you're hearing a lot of the kanye conversation or the conversations surrounding Kanye in a way that you probably uh, never had before. 
Do you remember anything jumping out to you in that time uh, about how other people viewed him or your own views on him in relation to these conversations? Um, like I said, I just remember people being like, like very split opinions about, about Yeezus as a project and it being so, so, so different from what had come out with, uh, you know, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Uh, and I remember the staffers just sort of being like, not quite sure what to make of it. I mean, obviously I was still an intern at that time, so I wasn't like super plugged in with everybody. Uh, but, uh, I definitely remember there being some confusion around, uh, around it as a whole. <laughs> And was your opinion also kind of mixed at that time or was it more like you would have wanted to say like, Hey, no, this is good. Like I'll stop. You should all stop being confused. <laughs> I mean, I always thought it was cool, but again, you know, it's easy for me to be like, I loved it when it first came out now that like we're a few years removed and people still think that, you know, uh, I'm sure that at the time I was a, a little taken aback by it as well. But you know, like I said, like my experience with Kanye, I wasn't like the college dropout kid from the beginning. You know what I mean? So my experience with him has always been changing styles and changing albums, uh, you know, from release to release. So for me, when he does something crazy, it's not as maybe as surprising as somebody who got three albums of, you know, obviously he evolved throughout his first couple of releases, but that's you know people view as the old Kanye right those first three albums and then I maybe got plugged in more when he became the superstar Kanye that was doing all sorts of weird things every different album so I guess it just maybe wasn't as surprising to me that's a really good point to me because I I'm in the same boat as you are where I had heard things leading up to 808s but 808s was kind of the album that I first really really connected with and then moving forward, I was just really into everything that he was doing as part of the soundscape change. And I wonder, like, I wish the University of Chicago would have somebody do a large scale study of like when somebody became a Kanye fan and if there's any correlation to that and hesitancy at some of the newer albums. Yeah, it certainly could be true. And and that's like a phenomenon I think you see with music in general. Uh, rappers always say that like nostalgia is like their enemy in some way because it's not necessarily that people only like a certain style of the rapper. It's just that they like where they associate that music with good memories, you know, and where they were at that time in their life. And maybe that came out when they were in college and they were having a lot of fun and now they work all the time and are not doing fun things or whatever, you know. So uh, I, I think that that's beyond just Kanye. That's a larger phenomenon of music where people get hung up on certain eras in their own life and the music that they associate with that. And it's reflected in their fandom of an artist in a way that isn't necessarily connected to the quality of the music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's such a ooh, that's such a dynamic because how much is how much is that and how much then is just the quality like if i'm going through eminem's discography how much is quality versus how much is my nostalgia from when these albums came out to where like i'm not really paying attention when relapse happens so then i listen to relapse and there's no nostalgia yeah that's fair and i to be on the flip side obviously some artists just release good music and then stop releasing good music. So it's not a, a one for one thing. Um, yeah. But I do think that sometimes people let their, their objective judgment be clouded by their own life experiences, which, you know, music at the end of the day is a very emotional listening experience. So it makes sense to me. Um, but it's just something I think we should all, everyone should be like cognizant of. Yeah. How, how do we get them to be aware of that? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we ever will judging by the comment sections of my articles. I'm not sure we will. <laughs> Well, yeah, that gets at a, a question I was thinking about and wanting to ask. So great transition, Chris. Uh, when you started writing more articles covering Kanye and writing about Kanye, the comments section is always such a shit show. And then getting to see the responses on social media, via Twitter. Uh, what has your experience been with that um, I think it's definitely interesting and, and being so plugged in with genius and with the 
all the users on the site who are fans of certain artists and annotate things and you know they fight back and forth over what lyrics mean and things like that. Um, you can definitely see how opinions change and how people, some people are ride or die forever, some people are, they only prefer the old stuff, some people, you know, it, the, the different opinions come out a lot because you're interacting directly with a lot of people who are fans. Um, and it's been really interesting to see. Um, it's always sad to me when people used to love an artist and don't anymore, uh, but it's also, I guess, sort of a natural evolution. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, man, this cycle <laughs> leading up to Yay, it was such a such a down point for a lot of Kanye fans, and for reasons I completely understand. Uh, it was rough for us, who are more in the ride ride or die vein of things. Uh, just covering it and talking about it and having those conversations. But there were a few people that had done stories and in the wake of all of Kanye's Trump comments, the TMZ interview, uh, that they just have no interest in him anymore. No malice, but just no interest. It's like their their fandom's been cauterized, which, man, that that sucks. It's sad. It is. I mean, I certainly understand where they're coming from. Um, for me, like I am going to continue to have to covering be covering all artists, you know. So like, it's I can't can't like quote unquote cancel anyone because I just like <laughs> have to report on them for my job, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I do definitely understand how people view what he's been doing recently as sort of um, not aligning really at all with the messages that he's been spreading throughout his earlier work. So. And how much uh, of the job that you're doing now is just focused on the music that comes out versus being focused on uh, all the antics is the right word, but all the happenings around the album? Um, well, so luckily for me, we don't cover things that aren't music related. So that's a very like strict editorial thing that we've, we've chosen to do is we really only cover music stuff. Obviously the real life comes into play in relation to the music. Um, so I've been paying attention to everything obviously, but some of the, um, things that are tangentially related to music, we, we just don't have to write about, um, which I personally am thankful for. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and also, Someone like Kanye, who's also very heavily involved in the fashion world and things like that, you know, that's increasingly become a big part of his interviews. And um, that's just something that we don't write about unless it has to do with like something that he said on one of his, his songs. Um, so luckily, most all of my attention has been focused on the music and the music side of things. Um, but obviously, with the last album rollout, um, some of these things really coalesced together, you know, and, and controversial comments that he was making bled over into reception of the album or in terms of his interactions with other artists. And so that then becomes something where it's the more of the realm of what we would cover. It's pretty fascinating to see, like reading all the reviews, reading interaction, how much uh, critics would shape a review over the external stuff. And not even saying like, you know, they just said it's a bad album because of the external stuff, but reading a critic saying that I thought about killing you is problematic because it doesn't address anything with Trump and his comments with Trump. Um, and just thinking about the perspective of an album based on that kind of stuff. And as you said, the bleeding into of one another. Yeah, I think the thing that was a little bit complicated about it was that he seemed to make some of those comments, he tied them into his album rollout. So I think that people thought that when the music came out, that it was going to maybe answer some of these questions they had or make them understand his perspective more. And then it, it didn't, you know, um, because the album wasn't really political at all. So I think that people were maybe just confused. And so that's where some of that came from. But I, I also do see what you're saying that like, they heard this and then it's like, okay, well, that's it. The music is over or whatever, you know. Um, so I think it, it can go in both directions. Mm. Uh, is there, 
a art like a dream article you have in mind about Kanye that you haven't gotten to write yet or a topic regarding Kanye that you want to write about but it hasn't been the the right confluence of elements yet hmm. that's a great question um I would love to do like a deep dive into the whole making of 808s and heartbreak for like an anniversary or something like that um but in terms of I did actually get to write something that I had been wanting to write for a really really long time um, which was when Kids See Ghosts came out, I talked about how I wrote a whole feature piece about how it was basically this like very like poetic full circle moment for Kanye's relationship with Kid Cudi and how, you know, they had obviously influenced each other early on and then they had a lot of issues and falling out over the years and back and forth and to the point where Cudi was like, I wish that Kanye didn't even use my vocals on Yeezus, like he didn't even tell me, you know. And then for them to come back and make an album together and have it be, you know, a, a successful project and sonically cohesive and everything like that, um, that was a really, really exciting article for me to write because it was just sort of like a culmination of reasons that I wanted to be a journalist, a music journalist, and it all sort of came together in real life, and so it worked out very well. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the article. <laughs> um which just gets into your personal interests, like uh, a lot of the history that you had experienced firsthand just as a fan. I think getting to draw on all of your professional uh, abilities at that point in time to then describe it. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What was your reaction to Kitsy Ghosts? Um, I definitely, my personal opinion is that it's definitely the better of the two albums. Um, And I think that the reason for that is because there was just more time that went into it, you know? I mean, I know he was working on Ye for a long time, but then he said that he changed a lot of things at the last minute, and I personally felt that that came through in the lyricism, Um, whereas I felt that Kid See Ghost was more uh, polished and more... Uh, more cohesive in a way. I also thought it was really interesting because it felt to me like um, like Kanye taking a lot of Cuddy's ideas and sort of refining them into the sound that maybe Cuddy was envisioning. Um, I think that some of people's issues with some of Kid Cuddy's work after he left um, Good Music was that he was very insistent on doing everything on his own um, and you know, his ideas, when you think about something like Speeding Bolt to Heaven, where it's like this grunge rock experiment, um, but maybe it didn't really sonically come together uh, in the way that he wanted it to. But then when you look at, you can hear some of those same influences on Kid See Ghosts. You know, when I say like the Nirvana sample or uh, or other things like that, like you can hear like, I'm like, there's no way this isn't like Kid Cudi's idea. But I think that Kanye helped shepherd it into something just more a little more polished and cohesive right like that that makes a lot of sense to me as somebody that was an early cutty fan getting to some of the the recent stuff i've had that same reaction of like this is close to being what i want but just isn't isn't it like sonically lyrically narratively but then Kid See Ghost really does feel like whatever that missing ingredient was, just that little that little change here, the little detail here, makes it much more the soundscape that I'm looking for from Cuddy. 
And maybe that's selfish as a listener because he's doing what he needs to as an artist, but it just, I connected with it much more than what I had previous projects. Yeah. And, and I think that's obviously Kanye was part of that, but also it has to do with some of the other producers that, that worked on it as well. You know, when you saw, um, like plain Pat and Dr. Genius and things like that, some of the people who he had, um, he had maybe gotten separated from a little bit and had kind of come back into the fold. I also think that that helped bring back some of that old school Kid Cudi sound that people have always been, always been chasing after, you know? Yeah. I mean, I still, when I put on day and night, it still feels like a fresh song to me. Oh yeah. I mean, man on the moon one has, I think aged amazingly. Like it's so much of that music sound, like it sounds so relevant today and you can see how, you know, it's, it's one of the most, amongst the new class of rappers is one of the most commonly, like at least in my experience, seems to be one of the most commonly cited albums as, as made a major influence on them wanting to be a musician or on their style. Um, so I, I think it's, it's interesting to see how it's played out um, over the last, I guess it's been like a decade almost. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I remember because I had read your Kid See Ghost piece. Was it there a line by Travis Scott saying, like, Kid Cudi was the reason he wanted to make music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kid Cudi, or uh, Travis Scott has said that. ASAP Rocky has said that. Um, artists like Logic, even, like, people that you wouldn't think of sometimes. Um, a lot of people have cited Kid Cudi as, as a big influence. It's very interesting. It's kind of crazy because, like, Cudi's musical career isn't what I think anybody thought it would be up to this point. Like, especially when he and Drake kind of came up together to see where Drake's at and to see where Cuddy's at uh, project-wise and how people think about them and react to them. But the impact that Cuddy has had on the music industry seems far larger than the impact that Drake has had. I mean, I think that... Drake is very impactful in his own way. Um, but I, I do think that, yeah, Cuddy has been very protective of his artistry, I think. Um, maybe to a fault, some would say, because for a while he was kind of going it alone. Um, but I think that that fact has, you know, he's never been someone tr- trying to put out radio hits. You know, he got radio hits off of A Man on the Moon 1. Um, but that, I think we all know that that was never really his goal. Uh, and so people really, and you know, because the subject matter is very personal and, you know, talks about his struggles, mental illness and all these things. I think it's just something that has become sort of like a, a generational touchstone, you know? Absolutely. And just, you see the impact, how he went about things had on Kanye, had on Travis and ASAP and logic. That's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. And honestly, like looking back at kids, he goes, I do think that Cuddy also brought out some great rapping out of Kanye too. Like I think that some of the best rapping that Kanye's done in a long time is on Kids See Ghosts. You know, especially when you look at um, like the verse on Cuddy Montage or or his verse on Reborn or you know their stuff together on Fourth Dimension. Uh, I it's very very sharp, uh, and I feel like they have this symbiotic relationship now where they inspire each other and they work together really well. Uh, so it just was interesting to see. Yeah, that uh, that verse on Reborn, I, I think that's a track that has been a standout for a lot of people. It was actually, I think I saw a list at Complex or somewhere that was ranking the best Cuddy Kanye collaborations, and I think it was the top 19 or 21, and Cuddy Montage was like third to last, and I was horrified, but <laughs> Reborn was number one or number two. I was just like, that's that. I think that made more sense to me, or at least was up there for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kanye's verse on it. It really. I feel like this is. I'm looking at the lyrics now as we're talking. Um, but you know, when he he's talking about, um, just like sort of his mental state and his his perspective, and I feel like this verse is is something that sort of gives you that window into his mind and where he's at right now that people were sort of craving out of all of these projects. Um, and I, I mean, like, I don't think it came out overall throughout all the albums as much as people wanted it to, but when you're talking about moments, I think that that was definitely one of them. Yeah. That, that string from 
uh, I was off the meds, off the chain, um, called insane. Like, I want all the smoke. I want all the rain. Like, that's insane. Yeah, I want all the rain. I want all the pain. Yeah, I want all the blame. Yeah, it's it it, obviously well-executed rapping. And also just it felt like it explained things to me. It felt very relatable to me. (laughs) Yeah, that light bulb kind of goes on and you're like, oh, (laughs) oh, (laughs) Kanye, thank you for sharing. (laughs) Um, So why don't we get into uh, your favorite Kanye moment? Do you have like a, a moment that is your favorite, like outside the music, but just him as a person doing things. Um, this is insanely random, but the um, I don't know if this is like my favorite of all time, but this is just something that I thought was so funny recently. When he's talking about Lee Gaga, have you seen that clip where he's oh, talking yeah. about Lee Gaga becoming the creative director of Polaroid? It's like, what does she know about cameras? <laughs> like, <laughs> for some reason, it's like the funniest thing. And the way he says Lee, he's like, he says Lady Gaga super funny. It's like, Gaga something like that. <laughs> that that whole clip it just always makes me laugh for some reason it's very random but that's something that i've been thinking about yeah about that, a lot recently that got like revitalized on like our kanye and kanye twitter recently and it was just so funny to see people like sharing like every time i hear it or every time i see like the gif of it i can't not laugh yeah, yeah, it's funny. It also reminds me of when they were supposed to do a tour together, which I totally forgot about. Um, but the like the Fame Kills tour with it was supposed to be Kanye and Gaga together, which is so weird to think about now. Um, and I know that it didn't end up happening, but um, I remember like in high school, like being really excited because I really liked Lady Gaga when she first came out too. Um, and it was like right after her first album, I think they were going to do it. And it, it just like, I remember being so excited with my friends. I wanted to get tickets and then it didn't end up happening and it being like a whole thing. So the clip sort of brought me back to that time and made me reminded me of that as well. I sometimes think like, would that have changed what we think about like pop music and tour? Cause that was kind of an unprecedented thing to see like a pop artist like Gaga working with Kanye in that 2010, it was going to be 2011 or no, it was 2009 that the tour was announced. Cause it was the, the VMA moment that killed the tour. Yeah. Yeah. I know after the VMAs, I think that, I think that they had trouble with ticket sales or something like that. Um, and then it ended up not happening. But yeah, you're right. It, it would have been, I feel like it could have been up there with like his like glow in the dark tour or something like that as like one of his like big iconic tours. But I guess we'll never know. Sad. <laughs> yeah. Like what collaborations would we have seen from like other artists in the wake of that? What would we have seen like the direction of Kanye and Gaga's music go in the wake of them kind of having that time together? Yeah, like, would we have seen, like, more collaborations between them, like, just musically? It, it definitely would have been really interesting. Man, I think they could still do that tour today. They probably could. I'm sure it would do well. <laughs> Fame Kills. It's still still a fitting title, too. <laughs> um, what about uh, Top 5 Kanye tracks? Okay. This one is going to take me a second. But... <laughs> <laughs> um... I definitely deeply love Gorgeous off of My Beautiful Retrospective Fantasy. Um, I think that that song is just like so perfect. And before Kid See Ghosts, I feel like that was my favorite uh, Kanye and Kid Cudi collaboration. Um, so that's definitely, I don't know if I can do them in, in like order, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, I really, really love The Glory off yes. of... Um, off of graduation i just think that that's like oh i love i love that that song (laughs) yeah that's a song that i slept on for a long time and uh one of our one of our first stories uh was a listener alex who lives in the uk and he was just telling us how much he loved the glory and i went back and listened to it and it was like it finally clicked for me for the first time I was like, wow, this is an amazing song. 
Yeah, and that's such good like sample work by Kanye too, like how he can spin old samples into uh, into like catchy things. Uh, it's just it, it works very well for me. I'm a big fan of that song. <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna go with those two. We're gonna go with. I have to go with Christian Gr Denim Flow. I love, 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 love that song. Uh, yes. And it's just like we said, it's such a tragedy that it's not on. Uh, not on a project or, or not on a like on streaming services or anything like that. Um, and that's like the height of like Kanye doing all the posse cuts with with everybody. Oh, it's a, yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> that's a that's another one. We've done two Kanye West uh, best song tournament deathmatch extreme uh, <laughs> uh, battles, which are like 128 song brackets. And uh, when we did the second one in december of 2017 that was a song that like so many people were behind and they're just like people don't understand the greatness of this track and i'm kind of hoping like we're going to be doing that uh bracket every year and just each year that song gets more and more i don't know ears on it than what it had before yeah yeah it's a good one um and then going back, I also am a huge, huge fan of We Don't Care uh, from uh, from the college dropout. Uh, so that's one that's always resonated with me. And, and even though it was sort of pre my uh, getting really, really deeply into Kanye, it was one of the songs where going back, I was like, oh, my God, like, what have I what have I been doing? Like, what have I been missing this whole time? <laughs> um, so that's what is that for? Yep. Um. And then I guess, oh, you know what? Definitely Paranoid off of 808's and Heartbreak. Definitely, definitely that song. I love that song. The beat on that song so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something about that, like, you know, like I said, I love that album, but there's something about the way that song came together that is just, like, to me, like, the perfect, like, example of like that era of Kanye and like that style and like it working out just very well and it wasn't even like a a big single off the off the album but I I think that that's a, a really really great song yes good choice solid solid choice um what about top three albums okay top three albums I have gotta, you know, I, I'm gonna, you know, it's funny because we were just talking about how like nostalgia clouds your judgment of things, but I would <laughs> have to say that my personal three favorite albums have got to be in, it would be three is Graduation, two is My Beautiful Directors of Fantasy, and one is Anyways and Heartbreak. <laughs> That's it. It's got to be a very, very good example of the nostalgia effect. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just i mean personally like i said those things have resonated with me the most and, and have stuck with me so it's not necessarily if i had to make a list of the the best objectively the best kanye albums maybe it would be different i don't know but um for my personal taste those are the three that i go back to the most yeah they they offer something that i think it's hard to find from i mean not only other kanye albums but just other albums in general like it's hard to find another graduation. It's hard to find another 808s. Like good luck finding an album like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, like anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I get that. Um, well, so I, that brings us to your last call, where you get you know ten seconds, ten minutes, however long you want of uninterrupted time to talk on anything that you want to talk about uh it can be kanye it can be a movie that you recently saw and hated it could just be shouting some people out so this is uh this is your time thank you for joining us chris enjoy wow well first of all thank you for having me and shout out to all the great people at genius who employ me to write about music um wow uh i don't know i mean kanye's obviously had a big impact on my life and I think a big impact on a lot of people's lives um, and even as he's evolved and changed as an artist um, and maybe is doing things that people don't necessarily agree with anymore uh, I think that 
the catalog of music remains very, it, it's what it is, you know, it's, it's undeniable. Um, so yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, my random random thoughts is that one of my favorite Kanye verses of all time is his guest feature on Nicki Minaj's Blazin'. I don't know why, but I think that that's like the, I love that, um, that, that feature so much. And I feel like I need to shout that out because I love that song. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see where things go from here. Um, cautiously optimistic, but we'll see. That's all I got. <laughs> and they ask me, they ask me, they ask me, I tell them. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.